right, so I can't, I can't really get it to do. I'm just gonna have. It's just gonna be like this. I just can't see your face. Is all. Okay, it's fine. Well, um, have you tried turning the knob on and back off again? That's not helpful at all. <laughs> Listeners, my microphone has been fucked with by another Daily Gravy mem- member to the point where it is non-adjustable. We're gonna find out who did it. Yeah, and then we're gonna tell them to save the world because. Obviously, they have super strength. Yeah, they have super finger strength. They've tightened this little crank to the point where it is, like, ridiculous right now. APB to all Daily Gravy members, I'm very mad at all of you. If somebody doesn't come forward, we're going to have an issue. Yep. (laughs) Hey, so we're back. We're doing the whole thing again. Are you? What episode are we on now? Is it episode 10? Is it? Wait. Wait. Because didn't we say we were going to do something special for episode 10? That's right. We were going to do something special, but then we didn't. Let's just say that for our 10th episode, um, well, first of all, we're drinking champagne. Is it our 10th? You're the one who said we should do something special for our 10th. I said we should do something special for our 10th. I was almost positive. I'm not the one in charge of keeping track of all of this. I know you're not. You're right. I'm the worst. Hold on. We're looking. We're searching. I have so many responsibilities. I'm stage managing a play, you guys. And the next three weeks are probably going to kill me because I'm running lights for my roommate's play. You all remember Kat. Yeah, Kat. Yeah, I'm running lights for her show. And then the week that they open, the week after that, I have auditions for the other show that I'm stage managing. And then the week after that, we start rehearsals for that. And I'm in tech for Live from Lacrosse. And then we perform that weekend, so I'm going to die. And you're still going to have to do this fucking podcast And with I'm me. still going to have to do this podcast. <laughs> I don't know when. You can um, think of this podcast as your escape while you look up stories of shitty things that have happened to other people for once. And, okay, here's an update. Um, it's not our 10th episode. <laughs> so we're good. It's our 9th episode. See, I just said we should do something cool for okay. our 10th. Well, we so are our gonna... 10th is probably going to be Halloween. Spoopy doopy episode. <gasps> so it's going to be a super spoopy doopy episode spoopy full doopy of other spoopy things. And we'll probably just do champagne again. But Let's maybe do... like fancy champagne. Sure. Fancy champagne will tell each so other some ghost murder survival fancy stories. champagne, I mean like two bottles of champagne. A, a bottle of champagne each is fancy enough for me. Yep. <laughs> Who works. needs any more than that? Hey, let's cheers anyway. Okay. To us. Look at that. Ninth episode. Look at that. We've almost done a thing ten times. Hey, which means we, we've we done this for 18 weeks, though. That seems Holy like a long-ass time. I'm not sure the last thing I did for 18 weeks. Work. God dang. Yeah. I mean, just like... <laughs> Breathe, wake up in the morning, although that's not 18 weeks straight, certainly. Cry a little. <laughs> Cry a little. So do you remember whose turn it is to go first? Like, I, uh, for some reason, I feel like, uh, I um, think, I think it's mine. Last one was the travel episode. Oh, that's why. It's because the travel episode, we went back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is you. Oh, man, we about to get it. All right. <laughs> so, I am talking about... The only surviving victim of serial killer Andrew Uridales. I don't know if it's Uridales. There's no accent over the U, so I'm just assuming it's U. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. I speak French. Leave me alone. It's okay. So, Jennifer Asbenson is a survivor. Nice. And she was 19 when she was abducted. And then he tortured her and almost killed her in a remote desert. Hmm. In California. Hmm. Well, I don't know if he took her out to Nevada, but somewhere around there. Desert. So, I wanted to start this off by saying, 
There is an actual YouTube video. If you search her name, Jennifer, traditional spelling, last name A S is in Sierra, B E N is in Nevada, S O N is in Nevada. Mm-hmm. If you search her on YouTube mm-hmm. for the 24th anniversary of her kidnapping and torture, yeah. she actually went back out to the desert to the spot that he held her. Oh my god! And recorded a video talking about what happened. Wow. It's like 55 minutes long, very little editing, mostly like cuts of when she might have needed a moment or something like that, but no cuts of the dialogue. And it's 24 years later. Yeah. Wow. 24 years later because she was abducted September of 1992. So something she says about her recording is I wanted my viewers to be there with me in real time. I wanted them to hear everything in my own words without interruption. I wanted them to feel like they were experiencing it with me. I'm not ashamed or embarrassed to be a human, so I do not edit myself. I thought people would appreciate the rawness of it. Yeah, well, it was raw. Dang. Um, Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh. With a tiny pupper on my lap. Well, I bet that made things a little better. Sort of. (laughs) Sort of. uh... She stole my sock and then tried to eat it, but that's fine. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. So, but Jennifer is a badass, it yeah. sounds like. Huge badass. 19 when she went through this. And the only survivor of this and guy. And the so only like... survivor. And he had eight other victims. Oh, man. And I took a look to see how they all died to see if he had a methodology. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Because one of the things that they mention is he had a bag of knives. Just like, like a, a knife bag? Yeah. You know, yeah. your standard knife bag you just yeah. carry around sometimes? I mean, some people have, like, a makeup bag. Some people <laughs> have a toolkit. Some people have a knife bag. Some people just carry around an epic amount of knives at all times. It was the 90s. It's totally fine. Yeah. It's gone. So, I was looking at it. His first victim was stabbed 41 times. He went through every knife. He picked out a knife. He went through every knife. He picked out a knife. He stabbed him two times. He picked out another knife. Yeah. He had to utilize them all. But everybody else, and I'm not sure about the last two, everybody else was shot. Yeah. What? Riddle me that. What? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No. I... No, I don't have an explanation for that. He's got a bag full of knives. And he shoots them. You know what it is? I think he just likes the knives, but they were all used up on that first guy. He stabbed him with every knife, and he was like, you know what? But he brought the knives back for Jennifer. Damn it, Jennifer. So the last three victims were all found floating in Wolf Lake in Cook County, but they don't, like, they don't shot. This guy's kind of... But he then left them in the lake. He hadn't done that with anybody else. So he's kind of all over the place. Yeah, so like, just, I don't know. He doesn't fucking know what he wants. Or maybe he does. Maybe. And that's why. It took them a pretty long, he he wasn't caught until 1996. Usually don't people escalate? I feel like shooting somebody is a de-escalation from stabbing somebody 41 times. But I also don't know for sure what else happened to the other victims. Hmm. Maybe he tortured them. what kind of trauma they went through, yeah. Sure, okay. All right, so back to Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So by the time Andrew found her, he'd already murdered at least four other women. Sure. And she was a nurse who had missed her bus because she'd been buying candy for a children's house. 
Oh my god! Or something. Is this the start so of a like, movie? I, it kind of reads She's like it. She's literally the nicest person doing the nicest thing you could do, with and the kindest heart. Because then she missed the bus and was supposed to get to work by 10 p.m. and it was 9:50, and she'd mm. been told already that if she missed another shift, she was out of a job. Oh no! And he just pulls up in his car, rolls down the window. Oh no! Don't get ahead of me yet. Just wait, I'm about to throw a curve in this road. Oh, good. <laughs> so, he pulls up, knight in shining armor, gets her to work, on what? time. What? Yeah, her quote about it is, I automatically thought, he can't be any kind of crazy person, because why would he pull away and not come attack me? Right, he's playing a long and game. Then, yeah, he didn't even do anything bizarre. I even felt bad for prejudging him. Oh, no, He honey. said a few weird things, but nothing to jump out of the car for. So he dropped her off and then asked her for a phone number. She gave him a fake number, like you do. Okay, yeah, of course. And then went to work. And then when she finished her shift, he was outside waiting for her. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And she said, I started walking and I could hear gravel underneath the wheels just turning over the dirt. I didn't even look back because I knew it was him. <gasps> At that age, I hadn't heard any stories of serial killers. I grew up with no electricity, no running water, television, nothing like that. I was extra naive. Oh, dang. That is not a way to live your life. No. So he stopped the car and asked her to breakfast. She turned him down. He offered her a ride home. Uh, she was like, okay. No, sure. honey, sweet baby. She gets in the car. He brought up the fact that she gave him a fake number oh, and that is... turned on her. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, uh, he just started screaming, pulling at her hair. He called her names oh, no. and said that wasn't the number. Some old lady answered it and then, like, shoved her in the dashboard. <sighs> and then he pulled a gun on her. Ugh. Yeah. Well, of course. 180. You lied to him. Yeah. So, like, fly off the handle, great. Yeah. Fucking so, fabulous. he tied her up and put a hat and sunglasses on her and pushed the seat all the way back and started driving. And she's kind of following where he's going, thinking, oh, my God, like, please don't turn down this road because then I know you're going into the middle of nowhere. And, and I'm going to die. And he turned down that road. He did. Yeah. Great. And Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Good job, Andrew. <laughs> Dick. She started doing, you know, what people tend to do in that situation. She started saying, you know, I'll do whatever you want. I'll rob a bank with you. I'll do anything. And nothing worked. Ugh. He just kept telling her to shut up. At which point a sense of evilness came over her about his presence. She sensed that he was evil yeah. and not just like your regular run-of-the-mill shitty dude. That ties somebody up. and Yeah. Yeah. It took it took her a bit to get to it that did. conclusion, I will say. It did. She has a lot of faith in humanity, I feel like. And she it's does. being very, very tested right now. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Because I'd be like, this motherfucker evil immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like, the second I'd have seen him like in front of my work, yeah. I'd turn around and gone back inside. Yeah, you go inside, you stay as long as you can, you get like three other people to help Assuming you. Assuming I would have even gotten in the car in the first place. I mean, she was truly desperate. He yeah, really caught her that, at a moment yeah. where she couldn't really say no. She didn't and have an option. he didn't screw her over on the first ride. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she got lucky there, yeah. and then like, and then just so so unlucky, so immediately yeah. after. Yeah. So she's in the car. They're driving out to the desert. She's scared, but something she said that kind of stuck with me hmm. is all I knew at at this point, all I knew is that I was going to die, but I didn't know what he was going to do to me before he killed me. And that scared me most of all. Oh man. Which makes oh. sense. Yeah. A lot of people in that kind of situation are like, okay, yep, I'm going to die. But it's like, is this going to be dragged out? Is, is it going to be really be... painful? Yeah. Oh my God. How much am I going to suffer before? Some people don't look as death as, as being like the worst thing that can happen to you for Not sure. That situation. Yeah. So. Here's where shit gets fucked up. Oh, wait, you mean it wasn't fucked up before? <gasps> no. Emily, <laughs> Emily, I, I don't want I know. this. I know. Emily, I don't like it. I know. <laughs> I don't like it either, but we're going here. Oh, it's fuck. happening. We're here. We're already Buckle here. Buckle up, Buttercup. Oh, I'm so buckled. Okay. So her quote is, he punched me and started cutting my shorts and ripped my underwear off. It was all going so fast. Hmm. Uh, he was forceful, methodical, fast, and precise. And he pulled a knife. So just she's one. thinking like she's in hell. Uh, she said that she thought his eyes just went black. Mm. Like the eyes of the devil. And mm. uh, another common theme. He tried to rape her, but he couldn't because he suffered from erectile dysfunction. So once Ambulance. again, he couldn't get it up. Great. He tried to do other things to her as well, other than, like, actual penetration. Sure. Uh, he then also told her to say that she loves him. Ew. Did she do it? I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you so, probably you do anything. Here's, here's what she says about it. He grabbed my underwear and kept shoving them in my mouth until they went down my throat and I started gagging on them. He tied the bra around my mouth to hold them in my throat. I thought I was going to die right then from gagging on my own vomit. I started to get a reflex that made my underwear dislodge from my throat. So then I was able to make a noise and try to say, I love you. Ugh. He wasn't happy with the way she said it. Because apparently... Because she had underwear in her mouth? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Seriously. Like... <laughs> she kept trying to say it, and he just wasn't buying it. Which makes sense, because... <laughs> No. Let's look at the situation here. He didn't just want her to say it. He wanted her to, like... Mean ma- it. Mean he it. He needed like, to believe it. He, like, that is so... Like, oh my god, you are yeah, fucked up. Yeah, the dude up. is fucked up. Jesus. Yeah. He didn't like how she said it, so he started to strangle her. So she apparently closed her eyes because she didn't want him to be the last thing she saw before she died. Legit. Absolutely, my friend. Then everything kind of shifted... Because she had that moment that a couple people have had that we've talked about of being like, I'm not dying today. Sure. This isn't, this isn't happening. I'm not dying in the middle of the desert while other people are sleeping and that I care about and right. people at work are dealing with children that I care about. I'm not dying in the desert. Hell yes, Jennifer. She says that a calm washed over her while he was trying to choke her and she just kind of saw white which I'm pretty sure is because of the choking. Well, yeah, I'm going to say, like, suffocation might do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you also get real calm before you drown, and you get real yeah. calm as you hyper, like as you die of hypothermia. Yeah. There's a lot of th- things that make the you calm. The body kind of just shuts down. Right. Apparently, he didn't 
choke her to death, obviously. It takes a long time to do. It does. People have no fucking idea. It's it's a long process. It takes a long time. You have to be really strong yep. to do it that whole time. Yeah. So he didn't do it long enough, so she passed out. Mm-hmm. She came to, saw him in kind of like a close-up and then far away and then close-up and then far away, and she didn't know what was happening. And she said, it suddenly I felt my body again, kind of like when you're falling asleep in a chair and you wake up. It just rushed to me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then I realized why I would see him close up and far off. It's because he was banging my head and pounding my chest. Oh. So maybe he tried to resuscitate her. Maybe that's huh. why she came to. Nobody's really sure because she doesn't really remember anything past. In. Wow. She was being so strangled. maybe he didn't actually want her to die then yeah. and he was worried she would die. Yeah. What the fuck, though? All right. So <sighs> she was still tied up. And he brought her basically back to life, or at least back to full consciousness. Sure. And he bit her. He was, like, (laughs) sucking on her neck. Ew. To the point where he, like, sank his teeth in and took a chunk out Uh, of her neck. Okay, that's, um... Yeah. That's upsetting. And then... What does he think? He's a vampire? And then... What? After he took a chunk out of her neck. Stop saying, and then, I hate this. He (laughs) took out his bag of knives. No! He's the Baskin Robbins of murderers. He's got 41 fucking flavors of knives, and I don't want to hear about any of them. Well, you're gonna. (sighs) Deal with it. Get a cone and shut up. (laughs) So, when she saw the bag of knives... So, she was like, again... I'm not dying because I don't want to be cut up with knives. Good, good call, Jennifer. Is fair. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> so she started running, and Andrew caught her. She didn't know if like she'd been shot. All mm. she knew was that she fell backwards and hit her head on the ground, and then started moving. And oh, this quote. Mm. So. I remember looking on the sides of me and seeing the gravel going by me, and I realized he was pulling me through the desert by my hair. He pulled me through cactus, through rocks, Mm. and I couldn't feel any of it. Wow. I mean, yeah, you're getting pulled by your hair. She must be so far. Like, she had to be in shock. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, full shock. She just almost died. Yeah. Like, and she can't feel, she couldn't even tell if she got shot. Like, she had no idea. She had no idea. Oh, my God. At which point, then, he put her in the trunk of his car. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listen, (laughs) look, (laughs) Emily just keeps, (laughs) Emily just keeps getting to new parts of the story. She'll hold her hand up and look me in the eye. Like, (laughs) I just need you to bear with me for, like, a minute. (laughs) It's about to get really bad. (laughs) One day, we'll actually record our faces with this. Yeah. So you can see, because I talk with my hands. Right. Especially when I get really into a story or don't (laughs) want to say a part of a story. (laughs) Okay. I'm prepared. So she's in the trunk of the car. Okay. Hanging out. Mm -hmm. She manages to get the twine off of her wrists. Good call, Jen. Tears apart the interior of the trunk looking for a latch because it's the 90s. Sure, they had that or were supposed to have. Yeah. So she managed to pop the trunk, held, yes. held on to it so it wouldn't fly up, waited for him to slow down, and then jumped out and ran. <gasps> My baby. 
she fucking booked it yes. as best she could. Yes. Down the middle of the road, just covered in blood and dirt and probably cactus prickle things. Yeah. And like looking like a hot mess with no pants and no underwear. Right. Are they still kind of in the middle of nowhere? Is anybody seeing this? They're on a road at least. Yeah. So she's running. He's chasing after her with a machete. Wait, wait, wait. Did he get out of the car? He stopped the car, got out, and started chasing after her. First of all, Andrew, um, the car makes you fester <laughs> than you would have been otherwise. I'm not, it was like 8 a.m. They'd spent the whole night out in like the desert sort I'm of. I'm not trying out. to tell a serial killer how to do his job. <laughs> I'm just like, he's particularly bad at it. He's got 41 knives. This we don't know how many knives he, he has. He has a thousand knives. You he's, can't fit a thousand knives into a bag unless they're has, really tiny little knives. The bag is bigger on the inside. He has a thousand knives. He, he did not go to Hogwarts. He's the worst serial killer. Anyway. Her luck just catches up with her. Jennifer. She just happened to come across a truck coming towards her as she's running down the middle of the road like a crazy woman <sighs> with no pants <laughs> and being no chased, underwear. Being chased by a guy being with a machete. Being chased by a guy with a machete. One of his 41 knives. <laughs> the two people in the truck just happen to be Marines. <gasps> Whoa! Yes! They get her in their truck. Mm-hmm. They have a pair of pants for her. Whoa, they just have pants? They're Marines. I don't know. I like how your explanation is not, yeah, I mean, they were traveling. They had extra clothes. No, they're Marines. Marines always have pants. <laughs> I mean, probably, because they're usually so macho, and usually their egos don't fit in one pair. I'm sorry. I was raised to hate Marines. So. Or their dicks don't. Oh, I come Marines from an army family. Yeah, it's fine. I was told I can marry anyone I like, but I can't marry a Marine. But what if they saved your goddamn American life? I can't. Marry a marine. <laughs> what if they're? Beautiful? I will be disowned by my family. <laughs> All right, fine. Okay. But anyway, these marines are dope. They have pants. They Good have for pants. Them. They got her to a gas station and called nine one one. Awesome. Nineties. Sure. Early no one 90s, has a fucking. No one has cell phones. No one has another way. Not even those really big ones the size of your head. They're marines. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> You can't just keep saying that as an explanation for stuff. (laughs) Watch me. (laughs) All right. So she does the thing. Uh She tells the cops. Nobody believes her. What? No. Fuck off. Nobody, not even her own mother, (gasps) believes her. Oh, my God. Why would they think that she was making this up? What a specific thing. She's like, I'm in marine pants. Yeah. Why would I be in Marine's pants? Covered in blood. Yes, my own fucking actual blood. There's a chunk out of my neck. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm so angry, Jennifer. I'm so sorry. So, I'm sorry. It was five years, not four. He was caught in 1997. His last murder was in 96. Okay. When he was caught by the police, he confessed to abducting her and attacking her. Oh, shit. At which point... People believed her. Fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he says it. Yeah. Like, he's the grossest motherfucker, and his word is what makes it so that yeah. she's believed. That's yeah. great. That's fabulous. 90s. Way to go, literally job, everyone. 90s. Yeah. Thanks, 90s America, and also yeah. every other time America. <sighs> yeah. Holy shit. Her mom? Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, her can't mom. get 
her mom sounds like a shit bag. Yeah. Shit bag full of knives. So I wanted to kind of leave it there. Sure. But I ended up finding another article talking about kind of her life afterwards. Nice. Yeah. And all right. So after her attack, mm-hmm. she wrapped up her wrists to cover up the damage mm-hmm. that had been caused by the twine. Because it digs in. Yeah. Really fast. Sure. And people who saw the bandages asked about, like, what happened. And then the marks kind of started going away. People stopped asking. And she discovered that the bandages kind of helped her get it out. So Hmm. baby started cutting. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. So then she has more bandages. People are still. So people are asking. She's getting the anxiety release she needs. Sure. Because she had been estranged from her family. She'd lost friends. People Ugh. were telling her to just be normal. Somebody walked in on her while she was cutting and called mm. 911 thinking she was trying to commit suicide. Because they didn't have cutting in the 90s. At least, yeah. It was yeah. kind of all or nothing. Nothing. It wasn't, it didn't have a name. Sure. Yet. I mean, I'm sure people were cutting. It just wasn't like it a just, thing people knew. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. And they took her to a mental hospital. Mm, she, had a, she went through a full breakdown at that point. Mm. And she said, I woke up strapped to a bed in a room with a camera and a little square in the door and they could see me through. And I thought, what the heck? Let me out of here. Oh, my God. At which point then she went on antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs. And they were asking her if she'd made up the story. Oh, fucking of course. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm just fucked up like this for no reason. Yep. <laughs> Eat my dick. She got a boyfriend when she was in and out of her trips to the hospital and got pregnant. Oh. And then after her daughter was born, she decided at that point, like, she was going to protect her child from her own fear and anxiety. And she made a change. Hmm. And she started using positive words in her thoughts. Hmm. Which I strongly recommend, especially if you... Suffer from a lot of depression and anxiety. She started saying things like, how are you this glorious morning? And Hmm. looking for the beauty in everything and trying to see the beauty. So she shares her story now and she has a couple foundations, um, including the Fifth Warrior Foundation that she uses to help people and share her story. Wow. And she wrote her autobiography and published it on Facebook. Oh, like just so anybody can read it? Yep. She wow. published it. Uh, the Facebook page is called The Girl in the Treehouse. Nice. If anybody wants to go there. And the video she and the did. Video she did. So with that, 24 years later, what year was that? 2016. Yeah. So 2016. So very recent. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Good for her. So there you go. A happy ending to a horrible, horrible story. Good job, Jennifer. Good job. You know, we haven't had like... Really, any discussions, I don't think, about, like, what can happen to survivors when they they do make it through, but then people don't believe them, and then yeah. they're suffering from all of this stuff, and nobody knows how to help them, yeah. and nobody is listening to them. That is not something I think we've had to tell a story about before. That's really fucked up that that happened. So I was really happy to find that. Yeah. I'm glad she's doing well now. Yeah. We love you, and we're proud of you, Jennifer. Yay. Killed it. You know what's really funny? Oh, um, we didn't talk about who we were going to do ahead of time, but our my story has a lot of parallels to yours. <laughs> this always happens. This is super weird, yeah. Um, okay. Oh, God. I'm about to tell you a story. Okay. About the lone survivor 
who is also a young woman, of a serial killer named Angel Materino Resendez. Now, again, we did not try to make this about Latino or Hispanic or uh, people of Spanish origin, any of that. We didn't even talk about it. We didn't talk about it at all. So, like, this is totally just... Just one of those things that we do sometimes. We're on the same weird wavelength, I guess. All right. So that was the serial killer's name. I'm probably going to prefer to him, refer to him as Resendez because I don't like calling people on hell. Um, when he's it, a dad pile? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't think he deserves it, first of all. Second of all, it reminds me of, like, sixth grade Spanish class when you had to choose a Spanish name. Oh, yeah. Like, there was at least two on hells just, like, fighting it out all the time. Anywho, the survivor's name is Holly Dunn. Holly, uh, and I will beg everybody's patience with me because I did decide to kind of mess with the storytelling here, so we'll, I guess we'll see if it works. We'll see if it works. I'm, like, just kinda, I'm already checking you. I'll mix it around. All right. Uh, I see your narrowed eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, go fuck yourself. Holly was a student at the University of Kentucky. Um, and in August of 1997, classes had just started. She said it was like the second day of classes. And she and her boyfriend, Chris, attended a house party. Oh. So eventually they got bored because sometimes house parties are shitty. Most times. Most times house parties are (laughs) shitty. Um, So they took some beers in a backpack and they, quote, headed down to the tracks. Because I guess when you're in Kentucky in 1997, you hang out at the railroad tracks. I guess that's just a thing. I guess that's just the way you live your life. But these guys, I'm just like imagining like, are they sitting on the rails? Did they bring chairs? Are they just looking at they the tracks? They didn't bring chairs. Are you you know they didn't bring they chairs. They didn't bring chairs. That's true. That's true. That was some foolish shit I just said. They brought beer, <laughs> not chairs. Yeah, they brought a backpack full of beer and nothing else. So they're sitting there for a while. They're chatting and drinking. And then it, eventually they decide to go back to the party. You know, I would do the same thing. Sometimes parties get less lame later on in the night. You never know. When people are drunk. Right. So... They walk back along the tracks. They're walking when a guy comes up behind them and asks for money. They tell him, dude, we don't have any money. We're broke college kids. Very legit. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a kind of weapon that he just then pulls out. She's not sure what it is. She says, maybe it's an ice pick. Maybe it's a screwdriver, which... Holly, I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. If it's a screwdriver, Especially it better at be. Night. Yeah, I mean, it could have been anything. It glints in the moonlight. Yeah. You have no fucking idea what he has. But anyway, um, could have been anything. He holds it on them and demands to look through their backpack. Um, so he, he goes through their backpack. He finds just, you know, beer, if they have any left. He, he finds beer. nothing of interest. It's empty otherwise. So instead of letting them go, like, you might think that, like, a... A, a train-oriented robber hobo might. <laughs> um, just, <laughs> so just your, just your, your train-oriented, just your robber hobo type. Just your regular run-of-the-mill train-loving hobo robber. He he would think that maybe he'd just like be like, no, 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 it's fine. Like I, I guess you don't. Have, to catch yeah, I gotta, I gotta. I gotta go be a hobo somewhere else. You get off these tracks, kids. You hear? <laughs> you hear? Um, yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't do that. He tells them to get on their knees, and he ties their hands and their legs. Oh boy. He uses Chris's own backpack to tie Chris's hands together, which I'm still not sure how that works, but he was very successful at it, turns out. So maybe if you, like, take the straps out? Maybe, or you're just really bending them, twisting the whole of the... If it's an empty backpack, and you're kind of just wrapping the straps and the body of the backpack around and around... 
you know, you know what? I don't know. I haven't ever tried to take my fucking Jansport <laughs> and wrap it around anybody's wrists, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but that's what he uses. He also takes Holly's belt um, and ties her up and just uses various accoutrements to also yeah. tie their legs. So they are on their knees in front of a dude. They have no idea who they were dealing with up to this point. Now... Here's who they were dealing with. Oh, God. <laughs> and it literally says in my notes who they were dealing with. A train-loving... <laughs> A train-loving robber hobo. hobo. <laughs> robber murder hobo. Angel Resendez murdered at least 14 people between the oh years of 1986 and 1999. So, Ooh. again, like, similar time period on yeah. our people, too. Super weird. He also killed somebody in Illinois. Just saying. I wonder if, like... <laughs> They were best buds. If Andrew drove past a train that on hell was on. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And they like waved at each other right. and like that murder ping went off in their brains. Yeah, like that guy. I being like, oh, hey, it's a murder, bro. If I wasn't on the way to a murder right now and I'm late, mm, I would stop. We'd have a chat. It'd be great. And I'd probably try to kill you because I work alone, bitch. Yeah, right. Mm. My town. Do you ever think the serial killers just meet and then try to kill each other? Do we just watch too much Hannibal for our own good? <laughs> Maybe we think that stuff now. Well, if you look at how many unsolved crimes there are in the United States right now. Mm -hmm. How many of those unsolved murders do you think are serial killers themselves? I think I read a statistic somewhere that there were anywhere from like 10 to 30 active serial killers at a time. Gross. But I mean, of course, like there are people you, you don't even know until they're caught for just one thing or maybe they're never fucking caught. And yeah. there's just tons of murders you're never going to be able to pin on anybody and yep. it's... Just Bodies a bunch of find. deaths, yeah, attributable to one person. Ugh. Yeah, so think about that the next time you're walking down the street and somebody smiles at you. Think about how they probably they could probably murder They probably killed you. someone! They probably could. They're gonna kill you. Here at the Uh-Oh Feeling, we want you to be very afraid. <laughs> All right. What the fuck? Angel Resendez was born in Mexico in 1960. He was basically just like a bad dude from the very start. By 16, he was committing felonies like Grand Theft Auto. Before he made national headlines as the railroad killer, which is what he came to be known as, he spent a total of um, 11 years in prison in Florida, New Mexico, Missouri, and California for various other felonies. Mm. So, way to go. Just killing it. Good job, buddy. Yep. <clears throat> His first known murders were in 1986. There was a double homicide of a homeless couple in San Antonio, Texas. He later told investigators he killed the man because he was involved in black magic. Because, sure. Sure. Fucking why not, Rosendez. Yeah. Um, and then in July of 1991, he killed a man in San Antonio because he was homosexual. So just like, just like the best guy we're dealing with right yeah. now. He's really just fucking great. In the late 90s, because he took a break. Yeah, he yeah. took a break from murdering. Maybe he was in he fucking prison. He wanted to see the countryside. Yeah. You know. On his train. How you do? Being a hobo. <laughs> in the late 1990s, he went on a bit of a murder spree, though. Mm. So he definitely took a big old break, came back out, and was like, actually, I'm going to murder everyone. Mm. Sometimes you just wake up in the morning and want to kill everyone. It's fine. Yeah. This spree landed him on the FBI's most wanted list in 1999. But not anything before that. Um, I guess not. I mean, here's the thing. In 1997, he killed four people uh, in Florida, Kentucky, and California, all near rail railroad tracks, which is where he earned the name The Railroad Killer, because he would just hop off. Kill a motherfucker. A lot of people in their homes sort of thing. Um, and then hop back on. And just like zip around the nation. 
murdering. Okay, so <laughs> October of 1998, um, I'm getting a little more specific here. Resendez broke into the home of 87-year-old Leafy Mason in Hughes Springs in, uh, in Hughes Springs in Texas. Resendez killed Mason by hitting her on the head with an iron because he's nothing if not resourceful. Sure. Um, in 1999, he traveled to Weimar, Texas, and beat Skip and Karen Cernick to death with a sledgehammer as they slept in their home. He also sexually assaulted Karen Cernick because he couldn't be a worse person, except, oh, there he did it. The murder that got him put away happened soon after. Eight days before Christmas in 1998, Resendez snuck into the upscale, upscale home of Dr. Claudia Benton, in the Houston enclave of West University Place, just down the street from, guess what? Train tracks! Yeah! The fucking railroad tracks. Got it! Yep. He attacked Claudia she was, while she was sleeping. He raped her. He stabbed her 39 times with a butcher's knife. Well, that's not 41. It's not quite 41. Um, then he beat her to death after that, because she wasn't dead yet. He beat her to death with a two-foot-tall bronze statue. Um, oh. He... He took the victim's cash because, again, he's a train robber boy. Um, not that he robs trains, just that he's, uh, he likes a trains and he is a robber. Yes. Go choo choo. Yes. He likes a choo choo. So he did take her cash and then he fled the scene in her car like a dum dum does. Um, he was caught mm. because the Jeep was found in San Antonio with his fingerprints in it. Sure. And that was the first time police were able to tie him to a murder. Um, he has a huge, long rap sheet already. His ass is in the system. They know oh, yeah. exactly who this is. But before they could find his fucking ass, because again, he's just on railroad tracks, a crisscross in the nation, he committed six more murders in the span of six weeks in Texas and Illinois, including... Um, I'm not even going to talk about these people, actually, because there's, like, two, an old lady or an old man and her daughter and, like, another family. He's just killing people left and fucking right. Aye, aye, aye. Um, he's finally brought into custody when his sister Manuela was found by the FBI and agreed to help find him. She arranged a meeting on a bridge, like, in a fucking movie, and they took him down. So he went to jail and went to trial in 2000. So that is who they're dealing with. It's 1997. It's before the murder of the woman, uh, Claudia, who put him away. It's before a bunch of these murders, but it is also not his first murder slash robbery attempt. And here we are. Here's Holly and Chris. They're just university students. They're stuck here by the railroad tracks with their arms and legs tied behind them. And this is Holly's firsthand story because I found a big old like CNN thing of just her telling her story. Yeah. It's fucking dope. Um, it was very dark and you couldn't see very well. I remember saying, why are you doing this? What do you want? Do you want credit cards, ATM cards? You can have our car. It's parked just down the street. You know, we were just trying to figure out what he wanted. I kind of highlighted that because I was like, okay, good, good first attempt. Maybe if he wants something other than straight up murder, you can figure out what that is. Yeah. Offer him whatever. If he wanted a car, maybe he would have just left, you know? Good, yeah. good try. Didn't work. A for effort. Yep. At this point, our attacker, uh, attacker ripped a shirt. He gagged us. I actually stuck my tongue out so that the gag wouldn't work, and it just oh. fell off. Um, uh, survivor tip number two, stick your goddamn tongue out if someone's trying to gag you, I guess. A little, 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 Pretty rad. Okay, although, maybe don't make that sound. But here's the thing. I, there, this person, Resendez, is nothing if not um, sort of nonchalant <laughs> about his murder attempts. Your dude... 
that probably wouldn't have worked on. He was very into getting that underwear in Jennifer's mouth. Yeah. So, um, but this guy's, you know, just kind of chilling. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not double tricking his work, obviously. I mean, he's, he's riding trains. Those are relaxing. Yes, he's a very relaxed he's guy. Life. Right. Maybe he's got some guns. No job. Yeah. He's just killing people for a living. Yeah. So we had a split second where our attacker would go back up the tracks while we were down in the grass. He's just leaving them alone. So we could talk to each other. And Chris and I start strategizing, saying, okay, should I run? Can I get you untied? I got my hands untied. I couldn't get my feet untied. I ripped Chris's gag off his mouth, and we start talking to each other, trying to figure out how we're going to get away. Chris kept saying, you know, if you can get yourself untied, get away, run away. But he couldn't get his arms were untied from the backpack. So they're trying to get each other untied. They're trying to get out of this. And they don't really know how much time passed, but it wasn't long before Resendez comes back carrying a big old rock. Oh, just like God. a big one. He came over and literally dropped it on Chris's head. Oh. Bye-bye, boyfriend. Yeah. Bye-bye, boyfriend. Um, I think at this point, I went into survival mode. I, you know, I see him drop this rock on Chris's head. And then he climbed on top of me. I realized at that point that he was going to rape me. I fought him. I tried to hit him. I tried to kick him and I tried to scream, but then he pulled out a weapon. Um, and he said, look how easily I could kill you. At which point she was basically like, okay, this is just going to happen to me. Yep. (laughs) Like he does successfully rape her. Um, but meanwhile, she said, I was, I was staring at every scar he had, every tattoo he had. I was thinking, let me remember everything about you that I can, because we'll get you at some point. That's smart. Fucking Holly. Yes. So that's another good tip. She's just full of them. Um, she also tried to rip off her own fingernails and dig them into the dirt so that if she was taken away, somebody could find them like hardcore. Meanwhile, she's also talking to him. What are you? Where have you been? What do you need? How can I help you? I really have family and I want to see them again. Do you have any friends? Do you have any family? Like reminding him of humanity. Another good like tactic, you know, try anything. And she really is. She's trying fucking anything. So she's begging him. And then unfortunately he just starts fucking hitting her. She doesn't really remember being hit. She was being hit with some sort of wooden board. She doesn't even know where he got it from. She gets hit um, in the front of her face five or six times, and then she turned over and was hit five or six times on the back of the head. She, I'm positive he probably knocked me unconscious. My breathing was shallow enough that he thought he had killed me. <gasps> Again, a motherfucker ain't double-checking his work, but thank God. He's got a train to catch. Right. <laughs> He's got that hobo lifestyle to maintain. Yeah, so she... Is probably unconscious. She's pretty sure for a while. He thinks she's dead. At some point, she gets up and realizes that he's gone. She knew she was injured. Um, I don't think I knew what my injury, injuries were. I realized that my mouth wasn't shutting right, and I was covered in blood. Oh. I walked about 200 yards or so, maybe on the rocks along the tracks. She doesn't even know. She doesn't even know where oh, she walked. She's probably got a massive concussion. Huge concussion, Yeah. Fucking dying, like barely yeah. alive. She's had a crazy amount of yeah. facial and head trauma. A university sen- senior named Chad Getz um, saw Holly walking around between 1 and 2 a.m., brought her into his house, sat her down, called 911, and I talked to her to keep her awake until the paramedics got there. Oh, what a good guy. I know. I so, bet he like, plays football. 
So he knows what to do with concussions. His name is motherfucking Chad. Or some sport with a lot of head injuries. Well, here's the thing, because he actually said, like, she was covered in blood the way it looks when a boxer gets cut in the ring. Oh. Like, so maybe he does have some sports, or he, like, knows sports. Or knows something. Yeah, but either way, he was like, oh, shit. (laughs) And he really, he did everything right, so. Um, I do want to say how it it ended. First, for our, our dude, our bro, our shitty murder hobo. On hell resendes. Um, this is the best quote ever that I found on Murderpedia. On hell, Materino resendes, a serial killer who claimed that he was half man, half angel, and could not be killed, was executed here today <laughs> <laughs> for the December 1998 murder of West University Place physician Claudia Benton. Fuck <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's from a Houston Chronicle article in 2006. That is when he was put to death. There was some controversy over his being put to death, as nope. there kind of always is. The Mexican government was actually against it. They were appealing on Screw his behalf. Screw you, Mexico. He needs to die. Dude, legit, the shit was bad. Um, But anyway, how's Holly, though? Yeah, how's, how's Holly? Holly? Let's talk to Holly. <clears throat> so she was healing. Um, took her a long time. She had a facial reconstructive surgery. But she had a very supportive family, unfortunately, different from Jennifer's oh. sort of... Way of dealing with things. She had a sister who she talks about as being like her rock. So they are there for her. She works with police um, to remember details about her attacker and help identify him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all those thoughts she they was having. They believed her. Yeah, right. They believed her. So that's a really good first step on the. Yeah. Kind of the police. Fucking A. I mean, they did have a dead body of a guy that they went and found in the place. Yeah. She said it happened. So that's a decent corroborating yeah. story. Um, so Resendez wasn't caught again for um, two years after after her assault. So it's, again, similar to Jennifer. Like, she's living a life not knowing where this guy is. Yeah. Knowing that she's helping to identify him, but that he's still out there and that he is murdering, actively murdering other people, and they are identifying him as the murderer, and they still can't find him. Yeah. And he could be anywhere because he's on the fucking rails. Yeah. So, like, yeah, she Time lived... to move to a place with no train access. Right. So she... I don't know where that is. Maybe, like, <laughs> yeah, in the there... wilds of Alaska. Probably. Where you can only be reached by... A... Tiny planes. Sled dogs. (laughs) But anyway, um, when he was finally caught, Holly was the star witness at the part of his trial, not where he was um, convicted because he was convicted on completely other evidence for a complete other murder of Claudia. But the the phase of the trial where they decided whether he would be um, put to death or not. She was the final witness. Um, this is Holly, what Holly said about testifying. I talk about the trial as the hardest day of my life. What I was worried about, I think, was seeing him again. The first question that the prosecutor asked me on the stand was, what did you do last weekend? And so I was like, I graduated from college. It felt good for me to be able to say that I graduated from college in front of the guy who basically could have ruined my life and destroyed it. And not that he cared, because I don't think he did, but for me to be able to say, you didn't destroy me, I'm still here, I'm still strong, and I'm the same person I was, it felt good. It felt like I'd finally had my chance. I know, I was like reading it. I I just got emotional! Fucking Holly! I'm so proud of you! Um, Holly did say, I chose not to attend the execution, because Resendez represented all those angry feelings that I had. I decided to stay with my family and be surrounded by my family. I had already seen one person die in front of me. I did not need to see another. 
Uh, it turns out it did seem like Resendez was, um, he had like found Judaism and he was like apologetic and all this bullshit, but most of the victims' families did not give a fuck. Nope. So like good for Holly. She didn't feel like she needed to go to have closure and that's cool. Um, in addition to healing herself though, she wanted to help other victims as well. So she started a place called Holly's house. Holly's house is a child and adult advocacy center that provides a safe reporting location for victims of intimate crimes. It's a nonprofit center in Evansville, Indiana. Um, they opened on September 2nd of 2008. And, uh, as of the writing of this article, which was September of 2017, they've helped over 300 victims. Yeah. And yeah. And similar to Jennifer, like she's doing stuff right now. She just wrote a book called soul survivor and it's actually due out next month, November, 2017. So I would definitely check it out. If you were interested in hearing more about Holly's story and how she kind of came back after all that happened to her. Fuck. Yeah. Soul survivor. So yeah. God damn. Woof. (laughs) Right. I feel like Holly and Jennifer should know each other. They should. I feel like that they, they could. should connect. I yes. think with their powers combined, oh. they could do great, great things. Yes. Fuck yeah, ladies. Well done. Um, so do you want to talk about why we're doing our tips? Yeah. So it, was your, it was a fabulous idea. So. Oh my god, I just like need a minute. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> let's just, just like, holy crap. Let's just like take a mom. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got this. We got so, this. For those who weren't aware, mm-hmm. this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Yes. So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I thought it might be nice to do some domestic violence tips, mm-hmm. how to help, what to look for. Yes. Types of resources. Types, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, this site um, that I'm on right now is called newhopeforwomen.org. Um, and they have a great sort of list of something they call abuser tricks. So we all understand, hopefully, that domestic violence comes in a lot of forms. It can be physical, but it can also be mental, emotional. Um, so there's a lot to look out for. And somebody who is abusive physically can also be abusive emotionally. And there are definitely signs of that that you can see either if you're worried about your own partner or if you're worried about the partner of somebody you know. Definitely signs you can look for. Things that include um, jealousy, especially to, like, an extreme, extreme point where it seems like there should be no reason at all for this person to be upset, and yet they are upset about who their um, significant other is hanging out with. They're always worried that they're cheating on them. Um, That comes along with trying to control their behavior. They are trying to control who they see, what they do at certain times, when they get home, what things around the house they're doing. Um, It's usually very, very one-sided. This person is never willing to control their own behavior or be told what to do. They want freedom, but they are going to control every aspect of their victims' lives. Um, Unrealistic expectations. Um, The abuser expects the victim to meet all the abuser's needs take care of everything emotionally and domestically isolation. Like I said, they want to keep them away from their friends or other people because they're jealous of those relationships or because they just don't want their um, victim to have anybody in their lives except for them. Um, They blame others for their problems. Um, And they're especially like their own shortcomings will be blamed on their victim. Their feelings will be blamed on their victim saying, you know, by not doing what I want, you're hurting me. 
they're hypersensitive. It's really easy to offend them. It's really hard to have a real discussion with them about how you're feeling because they're so busy thinking about how they're feeling and how you not doing exactly what they want is affecting them, um, that they, they, you really can't have a, a real conversation with them at all about how you're feeling. Um, cruelty to animals or children, as we talk about, that's a lot, you know, a lot of serial killers have that sort of aspect. Abusers do too. Abusers, because they don't look at other people outside of themselves as being real people with emotions, they also don't look as ch at children and animals that way either, so they're shitty to them. Watch out for that. Um, playful use of force in sex is not one I had heard before, but that's like a really good, yeah, they're like, oh man, I'm just playing, but also I am going to hold you down a little bit. Watch out for that. Unless you have, hey, you know what? There are some people who are into that. Yeah, but that's usually pre-discussed. Yes. You talk about it ahead of time. An established safe word if you're going super kinky. Right. Um, like, maybe you like, even... Hey, yeah, let's have rough sex. Okay. Right. You might Not... even have a written contract. I recommend having a written contract of what you're cool with. Yeah. Yeah. But not like, surprise, halfway through. Right. By the way, oh, I like it this way. Yeah. So things are going to get fucked up. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Verbal abuse, rigid sex roles, basically just women being expected to serve in every aspect that that could possibly mean. Mm. Um, dual personality, watching for somebody who is a bit of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. They can be very sweet around people and a total douchebag when you're alone. Or the opposite mm -hmm. can totally be a thing. Very sweet. Oh, you just don't know him when... When it's just the two of us. He's yeah. only a dick in front of everyone we know. He's just, he's just quiet. Right. He just doesn't um, like being around other people. Right. And I don't, we don't uh, use those voices to make fun of people who say that stuff because there's a lot of reasons why people make excuses for their abusers. Um, a lot of reasons why yep. people would be doing that. And it's, you know, not a laughing matter. It's just watch out for people who say stuff like that. And yep. watch out if you find yourself saying stuff like that because their behavior, whether it's alone or in front of other people, if it's shitty towards you, it's unacceptable. Yep. Um, past battering and threats of violence, even if they've never hit you, if they threaten to, if they are punching walls, if they are throwing things, they are doing it so that they don't hit you. And it's still bad. It's still shitty behavior that normal relationships don't have to deal with. Yep. Um, yeah. Basically, that's most of it. How, do you think I've missed anything according to no. this list? It's um it's a really good resource. I think, you know, if if you're hearing this list and you hear anything in your that you recognize from your own relationship or you recognize from a relationship of a loved one, I would recommend that you look at newhopeforwomen.org um or obviously like there are tons of resources out there. Just Google domestic violence awareness and you will find a ton out there. And just to expand on that cuz I'm going to talk about it a little bit in this side of things. Yeah. The the domestic abuse, when people start making those kinds of excuses, it's because it usually starts with a really slow manipulation mm -hmm. to the point where they might not even recognize that they're in a domestic abuse situation because maybe it hasn't gotten violent yet. Sure, right. The but, relationship changes over time. Yeah. And it's it's so a very slow process. Yeah. So it's a slow process. It. it doesn't happen overnight. Right. Because they need to make you okay with it right they're like grooming you yeah. even while you're in the relationship Basically. yeah so the article i have that i'm going to pull from predominantly 
because it's the best source so far that I've found. It's called Surviving Domestic Abuse, Advice from an Expert. It's written, it was written by the Huffington Post. Ooh. And it's an interview with Kathy Lockhart, who is, like I said, a registered nurse. She's got a master's degree in psychiatric nursing from the University of Virginia and a master's degree in public administration from California State University, East Bay, and is also a survivor of abuse. Way to go, lady. So she volunteered a lot with the hotlines and has still been working actively in it. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ooh. Uh, so I'm not going to go through the entire article because she's got some tips. They just kind of asked her some questions. Uh, the question I'm going to focus on are what are some safety precautions battered wives can take? Ooh, sure. And she said, we tell victims of domestic abuse to always have a safety plan. That includes having an emergency plan for when he gets violent, save enough money from paychecks or allowances she might receive to get a safe place, mm -hmm. hide car keys and house keys, hide change of clothes for herself or her children, uh, preferably away from the home, have emergency numbers, including the number of a shelter handy, mm -hmm. have a signal set up for the neighbor, relatives, and friends to alert them when the violence occurs, develop a code the children can learn that signals that things are serious when to leave the house, and where to go that is safe. Teach older children how to call the police when they see or hear violence. Wow, nice. Uh, she also recommends to hide important documents in a safe place, such as marriage license, social security cards, birth certificates. Make them accessible to take in an emergency exit. If possible, rent a separate safe deposit box and put those papers in it. Include immunization records, children's school records, lease agreements, passports, pay stubs from the abuser's employment, and, and insurance information. Wow, smart. Yeah. Dang. And then to keep with you at all times, your driver's license, credit cards, ATM card, cash, cell phone, and spare change for phone calls if you don't have a cell phone. Mm. Learn how to block calls on a cell phone. Tell a friend, neighbor, or family member what's going on. Never share the emergency plan with the abuser. <laughs> yep. Which seems obvious, but in such a controlling right. relationship where you've just been conditioned to share everything you've done in that day. Right. Yeah, it can get really hard. Yeah, and they can guilt you into like, I know you're keeping something yeah. from me. There's a lot yeah. of reasons. Yeah, for sure. Uh, something else she says is, I tell the victim that men who abuse only become more abusive over time. The violence only gets worse. I explain the cycle of violence and help her understand that she has not done anything that deserves another person to f physically or mentally harm her or him. People need a reminder of that sometimes, yeah. which is unfortunate, but it's true. It's the game they play. Right. Yeah, they make you think you deserve yeah. it. We explained to the victim how to get a restraining order, which is a process mm. that I wish they'd update, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a whole process. Shit. But explain how to get a restraining order, what that involves, and how to keep one safe after getting a restraining order, because the restraining order is just a piece of paper that says they have to stay away. <laughs> and then the last one is, again, just pack and hide a suitcase and always be ready to exit the back door if needed. Nice. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's something important to say is that we're, we realize that abuse can happen to anybody of any gender in a relationship with anybody else of any yes. gender. 
It's also just, like, good to acknowledge that, like, sometimes wives are still at an economic disadvantage to their husbands in a way that, like, maybe a man in a relationship who's being abused is not necessarily. It's not, you know, anything's, every situation is different. But, like, women are still often, they make less money or they're stay-at-home wives, especially if you're in an abusive relationship. Like they, For years. They control your finances. Yeah. You might not have a job. Um, so, yeah, it's really hard for particularly women to get out of a situation like that because they have no financial resources. Yep. Also, the last tip I just thought of. Yeah. Uh, in the age of technology, they have started having on Facebook the double authentication the two off enable that. Yep. If you're trying to get out of an abusive relationship, lock your shit down yeah. everywhere. If you have a bunch of social medias, which you might not in that situation. Sure. Because but I, I mean, wouldn't just, want to, just but... in case you do like lock it down, delete it, change mm-hmm. it, get rid of things because that's just another way for someone to try and hack in and find right. you and ruin things. They feel entitled to your information. Yes. So you have to keep them out actively. Because they're assholes. Because they're fucking dicks. Um, if anything like that is happening to you or a loved one, we love you very much. And we're proud of you. And we hope that everything turns out okay. And happy. And there is hotlines that you can call. And there are. There are many hotlines. Please look them up. Um, if you don't if have I'd had the numbers, I'd have thought this through yeah i know it's uh, yeah sorry maybe we'll sorry. Put them, i'll post them with our um description when we put yeah. it up yeah we can put them on twitter yeah. too and if you don't have the internet to look up this sort of thing i recommend your local library yep nobody will be able to trace that back to you then either nope. so sneaky sneaky libraries still exist use them yes please do use them i don't want them to go out of existence they do so many important things for people they do all right hey uh not a very funny ending but an no, important ending. but an important one yeah um, so yeah, next time we're going to be doing a super spoopy episode. We are! Look it's going to be our 10th! 10th episode on Halloween! Very close to Halloween, yeah. This ah. is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Okay, I gotta say goodbye. We gotta All go. Alright. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.